0: Everyone has questions periodically through their faith journey. It's natural to learning and growing. As a community, it's beneficial to ask these questions of each other and discuss them together because there's a strong chance that someone else is wondering too and that someone else has wondered in the past. We can learn together from each other. Today, we'll continue this practice by looking at some of the matters you've told us are pressing for your faith right now. Together, we'll discuss the life of faith Looking at our personal faith development, discussing how we can live faithfully in the world even when division and disagreements are daily struggles, and remembering our calling to share the gospel message and how we can respond biblically when that message
1: is challenged. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm
0: Darrell Delaney.
1: And, Daryl, we are uh, grateful here at Groundwork and uh, at Reframe Ministries to get questions from those who listen to our program. And uh, you send these in through the regular mail, through email, sometimes through our Facebook page or other avenues. But we're always happy to get those questions, and we're going to be looking at some of the ones that have come in recently. I think it's really cool to somehow
0: assist people in their walk with God and you actually have been contributing quite a bit and we gather those things and we want to make sure that you know you are heard We want to make sure that we can fan the flames attend the gift of God which is your faith and anything we can do to encourage you would be
1: great so I'm glad that we could do these kinds of episodes and our producer gathers up these questions and then kind of groups them uh, because uh, inevitably you get questions that are, are related to each other and so in this first part of this program, Daryl, we're going to talk about some questions of of some who have requested the, how can I develop a daily cadence or a daily rhythm for meditation? And someone else talked about, you know, how can I improve my prayer life? Uh, And yet another person said, uh, you know, I, I really want to understand better how best to do a daily walk with God. So we're in the area of prayer, Meditation, devotion, regular rhythms of life, and that's what we want to talk about in this first part of this program. Spiritual disciplines. Okay.
0: Yeah. So there are patterns of these things all over Scripture. Um, as far as uh, meditation and, and daily walk with God, prayer life, we're actually seeing that even in Genesis where God will come down and walk with Adam in the cool of the day and have fellowship with him. And constantly, because our God is relational, he wants us to fellowship with him. And we even see that in Jesus' rhythms and Jesus' patterns. Um, we see him walking around. We see him praying. We see him stealing away. We also have seen different opportunities where structured and unstructured prayer life is happening with the disciples.
1: Yeah, and I think that's an important point you make, Daryl. So we can think of a passage like this from Mark 1. You know, in Mark 1 and 2, Jesus' ministry it takes off like a rocket. Uh, yeah. uh, but Jesus also needed time for himself. So Mark 1, 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed.
0: You know, what's interesting, Scott, is that he came back with this focus even though the disciples were wondering where he was. All right. I love the fact that Jesus comes back with pretty much marching orders. I think that sometimes when we go to prayer, if we take those times early before the kids are waking up, early before we gotta go to work, early before the day gets rolling, then God can give us a focus there. I think there is a pattern there. I also seen a pattern, In the Apostle Peter, in the book of Acts, it says that he prays three times a day. That's his custom, and that's actually when he got the vision of the animals and God says, don't call these unclean, because he's getting called to the Gentiles. But that happened during his regular practice of praying three times a day. So there is structured time, but there's also unstructured time.
1: Right. And that may have been a practice that went back to Judaism, praying three times a day, but right in Acts 10, when Peter has that significant vision, it happens during one of his regular prayer periods. So So we definitely want to carve out that focus time, Daryl, to read Scripture, to pray, to listen to the Spirit's prompting. There's also in Jesus the example that he was praying all the time. And now I'm thinking about John 11, right before the raising of Lazarus from the dead, right? Lazarus is dead. They're at the tomb. And in verse 40, Jesus says to the people, Did not I tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus is praying as he goes along, too. So, yeah, he does withdraw to a solitary place and has that focused time, but that's not where his prayer life ends. His prayer life goes... As he walks along, before everything he did, he's praying to the Father. He's in communication with the Father constantly. So
0: praying was so constant for Jesus, it pretty much could have been his breathing. He prayed so much, the disciples asked him, could you teach us how to pray like that? Mm-hmm. And these are guys who pray all the time, but because of the way Jesus did that, he actually inspired them to want to pray even more. And I think John picked that up because in 1 John chapter 5, it says, this is the confidence that we have in him, God, but if we pray according to his will, he hears us. And when we pray according to his will, then we know we have the petitions we ask of him, because He. So God's paying attention and God hears it. But I think practically speaking, Scott, for people who want to learn how to do this, it's not something that you need to go to school for or have a degree in. You just need to add it to the things that are happening in your regular day is if you don't have the time to carve it out. So Brother Lawrence is a monk and he was the one who said you need to practice the presence of God. Mm. So he would be washing dishes, he would be gardening, and he would be praying while he's doing these things. Like if you're a mom, hey, while you're nursing, pray. If you're a dad, you're on, you're in a car, hey, pray while you're driving somewhere. Just add it into your everyday life, because it's a muscle. If you strengthen it, it will grow. If you don't, then it could get weaker.
1: Like what you said earlier about Jesus, that it was almost like breathing, because there is that hymn uh, that some of us know, there's a line that, you know, as I breathe, I pray. Uh, which reminds me of Paul at the end of 1 Thessalonians. Paul's just firing off some advice to the Thessalonians. And he says, Rejoice always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So pray continually. Yeah. It is like respiration, it is like breathing. So yeah, it is important to carve out dedicated time, and it's important to know that we're always in the presence of God. As you're just saying, we're always, as the old phrase says, the Akaram Dao. We're always before the face of God. God's always got a listening ear. The Holy Spirit's always ready to wing even our shortest little prayers while we're driving down the freeway. Brings them right to Jesus, who brings them right to the Father. So that's all really important. Before we close out this uh, part of the program, though, Darrell, we might mention that in terms of those more dedicated focus times, we do have some resources here at Groundwork and at Reframe Ministries we could mention. We
0: have actually done series on these things before. We had a spiritual discipline series that includes an episode on prayer. We've done Cultivate Your Faith series. We also did a discipleship series. And we, we have Bible studies that we produce that accompany people
1: and help them in their ideas that we've done and in programs as well. Uh, groundworkonline.com. When you listen to us online, uh, you can have access to the Bible studies that we make available. And of course, uh, Reframe Ministries also does the Daily Today devotional, very short, but a meaningful time. Yeah. Uh, so there's lots of other resources that are out there for those focused times, but also to carry you through ordinary times of practicing the presence of God, as you said, Daryl. So that is all very, very important. And it really lays a foundation for our lives and, and, and roots us spiritually. But of course, the world in which we try to live faithfully is not always an easy world. And we know that to be true these days as much as ever. So we're gonna think about that in just a moment. So stay tuned. We're
0: glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you, support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork.
1: And we are taking some of your questions on this particular program all year long. Our faithful listeners send in questions, and we just looked at one about prayer and devotion, uh, Daryl. Now uh, we are going to shift the focus a little bit to questions along these lines. I am sometimes praying and burdened for our country and for the church as a whole, that we will all draw closer to God, that God will come and heal our land and bring us back to himself, who should be our first love.
0: Yes, I am burdened as well. I think that God actually has a heart for his people and he has a heart for his creation and that longing for us to be with him and him to be with us is all throughout scripture where I will be their God, they will be my people. He wants that for us. First of all, I'd say to the one who wrote this question, God is not alarmed. God knows that this is an issue. God understands that because we're broken and we're human, we have human error attached to all of the establishments that we have on this planet, and he is aware of that. That brings us to a place where we need to lament. And lament, if we look at it biblically, we see it in the Psalms, we see it all over. We hold up two truths, God is good and the world is broken. God, please make this make sense to us. And this is where your prayer begins, like God, This is sad, this makes me angry, this breaks my heart, but I know it breaks your heart more because you care about all this stuff.
1: Similarly, another person wrote, you know, we're so divided among social, theological, gender, cultural issues. How can I walk so my life brings light to dark places? And we want to talk about that as well. But you're right. Scripture is nothing if not realistic. Yeah, God is good, and since Adam and Eve sinned, the world's often been a mess. And Israel was often a mess. And the church is often a mess. And I think, you know, we need to consider all of those things when we look at the current divisions in our world. We both live in the United States, so we know what a mess the world's been through the pandemic and there was plenty political turmoil even before that and we also know that in the united states we have a, a habit of thinking that maybe we once were a christian nation and so we have to become a christian nation again how can we make the whole nation christian and i think on that score it's right to be concerned about whatever country we live in. And we have listeners from probably all over the world. So, whatever country you live in, you need to be concerned about it. And there's a great biblical example of this, Gerald, in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, where God dictates a letter for Jeremiah to send to the exiles who are living in Babylon, of all places. So, they've been exiled to Babylon and yet God has some interesting things to say. He says, uh, pray
0: for the peace and prosperity of the city, because when you pray for that and it prospers, you too will also prosper. And if that place was so bad and so inherently evil, I don't think he would have told Jeremiah to buy a field there and hang out there because there's a specific time where he was called to actually live in that area and thrive there. But I think that it's important for us to understand that the question is how can I walk so that my life brings light to dark places? And the Bible calls us in 2nd Corinthians five, ministers of reconciliation and ambassadors for Christ. So if we literally walk out what scripture teaches us about loving one another, forgiving one another, and giving grace to one another, I think that that is where we start in house, inside, because there could be these things that God could be using to actually motivate, I didn't say he caused it. I said he could use it to motivate us believers to do what he's been calling us to do the whole time, which is to be a light and a witness.
1: Exactly. And if God could tell the Israelites in exile to pray for Babylon's prosperity, wow. Right. I mean, uh, most of the countries where we live are a long way from being that bad off. But even there, God says, be a light. Be a light in Babylon, even. Don't wish for its destruction. In that Jeremiah 29 passage, Jeremiah goes on to say, there are some false prophets among you. And what were those false prophets saying? Destroy Babylon. Resist. You know, make make life miserable for the Babylonians. And God says, I don't want you to do that. You're going to be there for a, a stretch. So... Pray for the prosperity of the city and and let God figure it out. You be a witness. You know, we see something similar in Mark 12. Remember when the uh, the Pharisees and the Herodians were trying to trap Jesus. So they said, you know, should we pay tax to the Roman Empire uh, or not? And Jesus says, you know what? Bring me a coin. Whose image is this? Whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him but the point being, you do what's right. You be a light. Don't worry, you know, about the, the Roman Empire. Uh, don't worry about Babylon and Jeremiah 29. And Paul says something similar in Romans 13, right? He writes a whole letter to Christians living under the nose of the Caesar, never mentions the Roman Empire, right. never mentions the Caesar, but in Romans 13, he says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. And then he says in verse 4, for the one in authority is God's servant Uh for your good. And that's the Greek word diakonos from which we get deacon. So again, the best way I think we can witness to our nation is to make sure we are the light, which brings us to the church, the bigger question is, how can we make sure the church is doing what it's supposed to be doing?
0: And you know what's interesting to me is that in the Old and the New Testament, God is not editing out all of the issues that people are encountering and all the dysfunctions and brokenness. He leaves that in the scripture so that we could learn from those things. Because I mean, we could have highlights and just, oh great, that all the things they did were wonderful, but because God leaves that in, he lets us know that he could work in the midst of challenges In the midst of trials, in the midst of broken circumstances, in social and theological and cultural issues, God has a history of being faithful through that stuff. And if that God never changes, it should strengthen our faith to know that that same God is here with us now. He's the guy we're asking to strengthen us. He's the God that we're asking to help us and encourage us to live as Jesus would in this situation. And therefore, maybe we even win more people to Christ that way.
1: Well, exactly. Bear the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. Paul says, look, bear the fruit of the Spirit, keep step with the Spirit. And I think, Darrell, in recent times we could say that unfortunately we would probably get most people to agree the church has not done very well with this. Through the pandemic, through all the turmoil, the church has sometimes torn each other apart. We haven't been kind We haven't shown goodness. We haven't shown patience, peace, joy, love, the fruit of the Spirit. Look, if we want to be, as the one listener asked, if we want to be a light to dark places, then we have to have the light in the first place, right? Right. Um, And the church's witness is dimmed. A lot of people look at the church and say, you're no better. In fact, sometimes you're worse than the, the secular society, the way you people go after each other and tear your pastors down and tear at each other you know, as Paul said somewhere in the New Testament, stop devouring Lighting each other. Devouring one another. You know, you can't bring light if you don't have the light yourself. So start at home in the church. Make sure we're bearing the fruit of the Spirit, and then we can bring that light out to the larger culture. God, you're right, Daryl, God cares about the whole world, but in the New Testament era in particular, he wants to start with the church right? and then go out from there.
0: I think it's really honorable whoever wrote this. I think They're interested in growing their faith They're interested in in what it means To be a light and a witness I think that's really uh, spiritually mature And actually a good thing I think we just want to make sure That we mention that we will continue To revisit that as we study God's word each week But in just a moment we want to dig into scripture And address one other person's question About evangelism and sharing the gospel So stay tuned for that What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives.
1: You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And we have one more listener question. We've been looking at listener questions on this program, Daryl. We have one more. I would like to know how to relay the message of God to non-believers. when I am told that any God who wants people to serve and praise Him must be arrogant. So how can we tell people we want them to believe in God if they have a bad view of God already?
0: oh i hear two different questions in that one how to relay the message and then how do we tell them about a god the perspective is that they must be arrogant if they're saying god wants all the praise first and foremost i just wanted to say that we do have a biblical command to share the gospel to make the great commission known to make disciples of all nations from matthew 28 we are called to do that as we go, wherever we live, our home, our school, our job, our extracurricular activities and our social media. But I feel like I don't want us to get caught up in arguing or selling or trying to convince folks because the Bible first and foremost says we shouldn't be quarreling about these things, Mm -hmm. but we're actually testifying. And if we're overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, your story cannot be refuted, Scott my story cannot be refuted it's my experience and so therefore i can tell what god has done for me in a way that is not combative that is not argumentative they're not trying to sell it or make people believe it wrestle people to the ground that's not what it's about It's about me saying, hey, this is what God has done for me. And anybody could
1: do that if they learn. Exactly. The power of testimony. Uh, You tell your story. People can say what they want, but when I'm sharing my heart and when I'm sharing what's happened in my life, you know, you can't argue with that. So I think you're right. We just tell what we know. We tell what we love. But the Bible tells us that even when we do that as well as we can, there is going to be resistance. I mean, Jesus predicted it. Uh, They persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. They're not going to buy everything that you say. They're going to say, okay, that's your story because you're a little loopy or something like that. But the question was very specific. Is God arrogant? when he asks us to serve him and praise him? It's a very interesting question that we just kind of deal with a little bit. C.S. Lewis thought about this. Why is God, particularly in the Psalms, forever asking to be praised? Isn't that vain? I mean, if, if you work with somebody, Daryl, or if I work with somebody who all week long is saying, hey, hey, tell me what a good job I did. Hey, tell me, tell me you <laughs> like my sweater. Hey, tell, tell me, you know, um, if they're always sucking around for praise— This is a very annoying person, seems a little shaky, seems a little arrogant, full of himself. Well, why isn't God that way? Because that's exactly what God does in the Bible. Well, C.S. Lewis says the problem is not God's problem, but it's our problem. We just we don't have good spiritual eyesight.
0: I think, too, that in the analogy you just said about the person who's at your workplace or whatnot, the reason why they're seeking that praise is something, there's a void there that they're trying to fill, that that maybe makes them validated, maybe does something for their self-esteem or whatnot, and and they need attention. Psalms 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If he is the God, and Abraham Kuyper said that there's not one square inch on this universe where God doesn't say that's mine. So if we're returning back to God, what is due him, he deserves all the glory, honor, and praise. He is worthy of the glory, honor, and praise. We can't take the creation's mindset and pin it on God and say that's who he is. That's backwards. We actually have to uh, adopt his attitude, his heart, his nature that is generous, that is giving, that is not self-seeking, because he taught us that's what love was in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is not self-seeking.
1: My uh, teacher, John Steck, riffed off of C.S. Lewis a bit and said, you know, let's imagine a single mom raising her son, Charlie, and this mom works herself you know, 60 hours a week. She's a secretary by day. She scrubs toilets in an office building by night, all to scrape together enough money to give Charlie a good life, to save money for Charlie's education, maybe go to college. But then suppose Charlie is just sort of a ignorant clod of a human being, and, <laughs> and he doesn't note his mother's efforts. He squanders the gifts that she gives to him, spends his time with all the wrong people. Well, what if this goes on for years, and what if this mother sits Charlie down one day and said, son, I deserve better than this from you. A little gratitude is all I ask for. You could say thank you once in a while. Would you look at that mother and say, wow, what a shallow, vain person? She must be arrogant. No. You'd say, Charlie, it's only fitting that you would thank a mom like that. And that, my professor said, that's what God's like. If we could see every day, Daryl, everything God gave us, nobody would have to tell us to give thanks. We'd be doing it because we'd see it right? Psalm 107 uh, rehearses the whole history of Israel and it begins in verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story and then they tell the story and then it ends with in verse 43 of Psalm 107 let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. We give thanks to God because it's the only right thing to do. Worship is also worth-ship. God oh, is yes.
0: Worthy. That's a beautiful thing, too. And I think it's powerful for us to be reminded that praise and honor and glory belong to God and we return to Him what is His. And it's not ours to keep, it's not ours to hoard, but it is belonging to him. But the last thing I was thinking about too, was the fact that the person who came against the one who asked the question and said, that God must be arrogant. There's some opposition there in the opportunity that we're trying to share our faith. So just let you know that because Jesus says in John, the world hates us, Mm. they hate him and they hate us because we're His servants. We're gonna endure opposition. It's not going to be easy, it's not supposed to be easy, but we still have to be faithful to testify into what God has told us.
1: Being faithful, telling our story, that's all we can do, and we pray for the Holy Spirit to do the rest. Thanks be to God. Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Daryl Delaney. We hope you'll join us again next time as we continue to dig deeply into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives connect with us at our website groundworkonline.com to share what Groundwork means to you or ask questions or tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork.
0: Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit reframeministries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacobs.